Hello Grace242, my name is Andre Willemse and I will be doing this week's scripture reading. I will be reading from Acts 17 verses 1 to 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Paulusinus then travelled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, This Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. Thanks be to God. Hey, Grace242. Back in 2012, a pastor and theologian by the name of Douglas Wilson was invited to give a lecture at Indiana University. And an audience member captured what happened during that event. Let's watch some of the footage. This group of students, this mob, couldn't even listen to what Doug Wilson had to say about biblical sexuality. So they formed a mob and eventually they were escorted out and then they continued to heckle outside of the event. We're in the middle of this series called We Are, and since 2020 has been this gigantic reset button on our lives, on the church, on society, I've been taking this opportunity to run this experiment where I've just been reading my Bible and pretending that I have no prior knowledge of what the church is. And as I read it, I've just been asking myself, as I look at scripture, what is the church? And so we say, we are dot, dot, dot. And every week we're filling in the phrase. And this week we say, we are despised people. A mob was stirred up against Doug Wilson for preaching biblical truth. And a mob is gonna be stirred up in our text today against Paul and Silas for preaching biblical truth. Let's look at Acts 17 verses one to two. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. 
Paul and Silas traveled to this town called Thessalonica, which is in modern-day Greece. In Paul's day, this was a port city of about 200,000 inhabitants. And whenever Paul would arrive to a new town or a new city, his playbook was to go to the synagogue first. And this is a smart play because by going to the synagogue, he is beginning with a societal institution that's already in place. He's beginning with something that they know. And then he would preach beginning with the Old Testament, which is also a smart play because he's beginning with a text that people are already familiar with. So he starts with what people know in the synagogue and with the Old Testament, and he's going to draw a line straight to Jesus. Let's look at Acts 17, verses 2 to 3. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Now verse 4 tells us that some believed, but some didn't. And here's what happens in verses 5 to 9. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. So this unbelieving group of Jews stirs up a riot against Silas and Paul. And they know that Paul and Silas have been staying with this believer, Jason. So they go to Jason's house. They can't find him there. So they grab Jason and some of the other believers, drag him in front of city council, accuse them of treason, and then city council lets them go after Jason and the believers post this bail money. A mob was stirred up against Doug Wilson for preaching biblical truth. And a mob was stirred up against Paul and Silas for preaching biblical truth. Who are we? We are despised people. The very first message in this series was entitled, We Are Jesus People. And Isaiah 53 verse 3 is the very type of text that Paul would have used to draw a line from the Old Testament to Jesus with these Thessalonians. Let's read Isaiah 53 verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Jesus was despised. And if we are Jesus people, then we are despised people. Look at what Jesus himself says in John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. We are despised people. Now to be a despised person might seem like a label that we wouldn't want. It's not very flattering, but I think that there's plenty of joy to be found in embracing the label of being a despised person. In 1872, artist Claude Monet painted a picture that he entitled Impression Sunrise and a French art critic ripped the painting by pejoratively labeling it Impressionist. Well, what happened was other artists came who painted in the same way and they became happy to claim the label Impressionist. This eventually led to a whole genre called Impressionism. And so what began as a pejorative label became something that artists were happy to claim. And in the same way, I think we need to be happy to claim the label despised people. Here are two reasons why I think we need to be despised people. Number one, despised people know the truth. 
Paul and Silas arrived at Thessalonica and they go into the synagogue and verse 2 tells us that Paul used the scriptures to reason with the people. We know the truth and the truth is reasonable. Paul is using all these Old Testament texts to draw these lines to Jesus. He's saying, Israel, the Jews, were supposed to be God's rain spreaders. They were supposed to show the world who God is, but they failed at that. And because of their failure, they sinned, and because of sin, they all died. And when they went into the grave, they stayed dead. But there's only one human who went into the grave and came out of the grave alive, and that is Jesus. And so it's reasonable to conclude that when someone goes into the grave and then comes out of the grave, and when he's the only person who's ever lived to do that, that there's something special about that human. And it's reasonable to conclude at that point that if this person can conquer death, that they are the Messiah. Despised people know the truth, and the truth is reasonable. Now notice that the unbelieving Jews didn't try to refute Paul or debate him or come up with evidence to the contrary to the claims that Paul was making. Instead, they simply stirred up a mob. They resorted to mob tactics. Look at 17 verse 5. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They didn't try to debate Paul. They didn't try to refute his claims. Instead, they stirred up a mob against him. In 2012, when Doug Wilson spoke at Indiana University, rather than the students trying to debate him or trying to refute his claims of truth, they resorted to mob tactics of yelling and shouting and disrupting the event. I started reading this book this week that I'm particularly jazzed about. It's called Live Not By Lies by Christian author Rod Dreher. And in the book, Rod references George Orwell's famous 1984 book. In 1984, there was this totalitarian state known as the party, and they would force their citizens to engage in what Orwell calls doublethink. And what that was was that citizens were forced to hold two contradicting beliefs simultaneously. And the party would say all these mantras that were full of doublethink, like, war is peace. And they would say things like, freedom is slavery. Two opposite beliefs that they had to hold. And what Rod Dreher says in Live Not By Lies is he says that our culture is forcing us to engage in doublethink. They force us to engage in doublethink when they tell us that gender is on a spectrum. They force us to engage in doublethink when they say that men can have periods. This is the cultural landscape that we're living in. Now we know Genesis 1.27 that says he created them male and female. We know there are two genders, and this is backed by biology, that there is male and there is female. But yet to claim that there are only two genders in today's world is outside of the Overton window and will get you canceled. It is a reasonable belief, backed by biology, but yet our culture does not tolerate it. Paul, as a despised person, knew the truth. And the truth is contained within God's word, which he used with the Thessalonians. Paul would even tell his young disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, he would tell him to correctly explain the word of truth. The truth is in God's word. If you feel like you're going crazy and you're losing your mind, come back to the truth of God's word. I mean, we're being forced to engage in doublethink every day. On the one hand, we're told that speech is violence, but then on the other hand, we're told that silence is violence. That's doublethink. Or we're seeing cities where mayors one moment will support mass gatherings in the streets with people yelling at each other in protest, but then in the next moment they're going to shut down restaurants and businesses and churches deeming it unsafe to meet. That's doublethink. So if you're going crazy, come back to the truth. If you don't know what the truth is, come back to this. The truth is in here, God's Word. 
Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, that we need to renew our minds, and I would add, in the truth of God's Word. My friend, Pastor Brian Jacobson says that to whatever degree that we were pursuing Christ and reading God's Word and pursuing holiness with Him, to whatever degree we were doing that before 2020, that's not going to sustain us in 2020 and beyond. We have just watched the world be remade in front of our eyes in a matter of months. And Pastor Brian is saying, whatever level we were renewing our minds before 2020, we need to step it up all the more to be sustained in our walk with Christ in 2020 and beyond. We need to be renewing our minds more than ever, folks. Brian uses the phrase wartime footing, and I feel that's largely what we're facing throughout all this upheaval in 2020. We need to be renewing our minds in the truth of God's word, all the more so, and pursuing Christ with diligence. We can embrace the despised people label because number one, despised people know the truth, and number two, despised people know the King with a capital K. Paul reasons with the Thessalonians, some believe and some don't. And those who don't stir up a riot against Paul, Silas, Jason, the host, and many of the other believers. They drag him in front of the court, and what is the charge? Look at Acts 17, verse 7. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The charge is treason against the Roman Empire. Because when the believers say Jesus is king, they're rejecting all other gods, all other lords, and all other kings. When we as believers say Jesus is king, we are saying that Caesar, therefore, is not. So this is a seditious claim by these believers. Rejecting Caesar as king will put you on the despise list right quick because terms like Lord and King were reserved for the Roman Emperor. And so now these believers are taking those terms reserved for the Roman Emperor and they're using them for Jesus. This will put you on the wrong side in a hurry. We are despised people because we know who the King is and he is the King of Kings. One of the hallmarks of the Roman Empire was this civil religion or imperial cult and here's how New Testament professor Warren Carter describes it. He says, The imperial cult refers to a vast array of temples, images, rituals, personnel, and theological claims that honored the emperor. Temples dedicated to specific emperors and images of emperors located in other temples were focal points for offering thanksgiving and prayers to the gods for the safekeeping and blessing of emperors and members of the imperial household. Incense sacrifices and annual vows expressed and renewed civic loyalty. And author Michael Gorman summarizes all that by saying this. He says, put simply, the imperial cult was an elaborate God and country phenomenon or type of civic or civil religion that in various ways attributed a sacred character to the Roman Empire and to the emperor himself. I might just make myself a despised person by turning the attention onto us for a moment. Here's my concern. I am concerned that we at Grace 242 might be creating our own civil religion in 2020 United States. And I say this to you not as someone who is exempt from all this or as someone who somehow flies above the fray. I am very much included in this call to alarm. But I am concerned that some of us at Grace 242 are forgetting that our highest loyalty is to King Jesus. And instead, we are subverting that loyalty to King Jesus with a loyalty to politics, to governmental systems and structures and creating a civil religion that we're engaging in 
here in the United States, especially as we lead up to election season. This civil religion takes many different forms, but some examples of the civil religion from the left look like churches flying rainbow flags or putting BLM banners out front on their buildings. From the right, this civil religion is largely embodied in Donald Trump and might look like the elevation of Donald Trump to near godlike status. Earlier this week, I was reading an article by author David French, and the article linked to something that made me sick. It was a video of the First Baptist Church of Dallas Choir singing a hymn entitled Make America Great Again. It was mortifying. Here's what David French says in the article. Spend any time around the new Trump right and you're immediately seized by how closely it tracks that old-time religion with Trump serving as the charismatic circuit-riding evangelist. As we draw near the election, I am concerned that we might confess with our mouths that Jesus is king, but then our actions belie that someone else is king instead. We might say the words, Jesus is king, and be ready to believe that, but if you were to look at our lives, our lives would manifest that we have a king in Donald Trump, or our lives would manifest that we have a king in Joe Biden, or made manifest that we have a king in the political system of the United States. That's my concern. When we say Jesus is king, then we are also saying that Caesar is not. And when those Thessalonian believers said Jesus is king, they were rejecting Caesar, and that's what gave them their despised label. We look not to an earthly king. We look at the king of kings, Jesus. You know, it's funny because if we truly place Jesus on the throne and worship him as the king, then we're going to be despised people by both left and right. We're going to be despised by the world because they would look at us and say, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you standing up for blank? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you getting out there doing X? <laughs> We're not doing that because our king is not the president. Our king is the king of kings, Jesus. We look not to the president, to the election in November, or to a political system to fulfill our hopes and dreams. Only Jesus can fulfill our hopes and dreams. He is our king. Take joy, despised people. Take joy in the label. Embrace being a despised person because despised people not only know the truth of God's word, but they know what it says, and that is that Jesus is the king. Who are we? We are despised people, and despised people know the truth, and despised people know the king, Jesus, the king of kings.